The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> TFA fam, what is up? What is happening? We are back again. Another live stream. Back with Robbie in the co-pilot chair. Today we're going to be discussing some of our favorite rankings debates. I feel like, because like, you know, really we've been talking, I feel like we've been agreeing too much on some of these shows we've been doing. There's been too much agreement. And like for us, that's like not usual, right? Like normally we're very different. We're polar opposites in a lot of the ways that we think. So we wanted to have some rankings debates to flip it up a little bit because I'm tired of agreeing, you know, this 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 agreement fest that we've been on, uh, you know. So we're going to do that today. We're going to go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, just kind of some guys that we are drastically different on in our rankings. And so let's just go ahead and get into it, shall we? Hey, I'm ready to tell the world why you're wrong with so many rankings, Kev. It's not one. It's not two. You have a whole list here. I don't know what you were thinking. Let's let's just get right into it. Well, ding ding, it's it, let's let's get after it. So first up on our list, we have Joe Burrow, who I have Joe Burrow at five. You have him at nine. Walido, rocking with us in the chat. Appreciate you. Did I hear debates? Yes, you did. Yes, you did, Walido. Uh, so we're at we're on uh, Joe Burrow. Like I said, I'm at five. You have him at nine. This is kind of an easy easy one for me, right? Like yes. You know, last year he had a solid season with 4,600 passing yards and, 30, and 34 passing touchdowns. But I think there's still room for growth here. I mean, we're talking about a rookie, you know, Jamar Chase. I mean, th- this might be the best offense in the league. I mean, just from, I mean, quarterback, the offensive line is now greatly improved, uh, you know, with all the, the additions they've made there. Joe Mixon, but with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, who a lot of people have as a top 12 quarterback, you know, or top 12 wide receiver this year. And then you have it still Tyler Boyd is still there. I don't really care about their tight end position, but you know, this, this offense is just so loaded. And then now you, you give him an actual offensive line. That's going to give him time to throw the football. Like I, I think he can improve upon these numbers. He was eighth in passing touchdowns, sixth in passing yards. Like I think those numbers go up, you know, maybe I have him at his ceiling because of, you know, he doesn't really possess that rushing upside that I typically look for in a quarterback, whenever I'm on the clock. Um, you know, because he only had 118 rushing yards last year, two rushing touchdowns um, last year, 20, only 40 carries, which is 21st among all quarterbacks. It's not his game. He's, that's not what he's going to do. However, I just think with the improvement of the offensive line, I mean, we're talking about one of the worst offensive lines, an offensive line I think is going to be a top 10 offensive line this year in Cincinnati. And so just that alone, I mean, he was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league last year, giving him more time to scan the field, allowing the weapons like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins to get open. That's why I just love. That's why I just absolutely love Joe Burrow this year because I just think kind of the sky's the limit. And I think he can get better than what he was last year. 
Yeah, I think the sky's the limit is where I, I disagree, right? Like you said, maybe I'm ranking him at, at his ceiling. And I think you're probably right, right about that QB5. Because we have to look at last year. You're absolutely right. Like he had, other than the line, right? He has Jamar Chase, fantastic. He has T. Higgins. He has Tyler Boyd. He has Joe Mixon. He has weapons. And what does he do? He goes out and uh, has 8.7 yards per attempt, or 8.9 yards per attempt, which is the ninth most of all time since two, the year 2000. So he was uber efficient in yards per attempt. He had a 70% completion percentage. So just naturally, you're probably going to have some regression. I get it. Jamar Chase was fantastic. He had 18 and, and some change yards per catch. T. Higgins is obviously fantastic, 14 or 15 yards per catch. So he's going to be on the higher end of that spectrum. But 8.9 is fantastic. So I expect that to come back a little bit. The, the completion percentage to come back a little bit, just, just in natural regressions. But what he can do is can he improve on the 520 attempts that he has? Because he's going to be efficient. Like you're saying, that line's getting better. Can he get more than the 520 attempts? I think those things kind of balance out the regression and then the attempts. And he probably sticks around where he was last year, and that was QB8, QB10 in points per game. And so where do I have him? Right smack dab in the middle there at QB9. So in my opinion, when you're putting him up at that QB5 range, a top five guy, he has to do something different. He has to have a uh, 8% TD rate, right? He has to throw for 40 touchdowns like Tom Brady. He has to improve the rushing, which I actually think he could probably run a little bit more, you know, a year and a half removed from that ACL injury. Uh, but probably he's, that's not his game, like you said. So that's probably not happening. Or he has to, again, be this efficient that he was last year and then throw 570 times, which I don't know if that's going to happen either. So, again, I think the ceiling is probably where you have him, but I don't see him getting there. He's probably right smack in the middle of where he was last year. Well, I think some things you have to take into account is the the progression of this team last year from the first half to the second half. Because the first half, like, he was good, not great and over the first half. But in the second half of the season, I mean, he was elite last year. And some of that had to do with the teams that they were playing. If you look at their schedule this year, their schedule was much harder than it was last year. So, which, you know, a lot of people, when they when they go and they start looking at schedules, they're looking for, like, the oh, are they playing the Jets? And like, like. I want them to play teams like the Chargers and the Chiefs because that's going to push the score up. That is going to yeah. force these teams to have to th uh, throw the football because if you know if they, if they get some of these bad teams, I mean they're they can go much more run heavy. I think they go definitely much more pass heavy than what they were last year. I mean they were 15th in pass attempts last year. I think they easily get up into the top 10 this year. You don't have this kind of weapons and then to say well, we're just going to be run heavy. Like it's just not going to happen. Like I, I think this is easily an offense that's going to be ranked inside the top 10 of pass attempts per uh, per game. And so, like, I think it's all there. And if you look at, at him as well, I mean, he was sixth in fantasy points per dropback last year. It's just he didn't have the volume of some of these other quarterbacks to be able to get him up into that, that elite territory. And so, for me, that's just what I love so much about Joe Burrow is, is just because everything is there for this entire offense, right? You have all the weapons, approved offensive line, good running back, a running back that can also catch passes out of the backfield. And so, you know, uh, I'm just I, I love Joe Burrow this year, and yes, while he doesn't possess some of the some of the things that I look for in a quarterback, um, I, I still think that you know I, I think there's even possible he could go higher than QB five uh, of where I have him. Um, but you know he is right there, right around ceiling range of where I do have him. So, anyways, uh, unless you have something else. No, I think just going at the, the volume, right? And I have him projected. I just finished all my projections for the 32 teams. 579 attempts is what I have him at. Um, and he comes in at QB 10. So unless we're dropping him below a Lamar, a Kyler, uh, a Tom Brady, somebody like that, um, he's going to finish right around where he was. He has to leapfrog some of these guys. So, And then that's also taking into account the points per game, right? Because uh, a couple of these other guys missed a couple. So 
I, I think we're basically on the same point. You're maybe a little bit more towards the ceiling, and I'm right there at the middle. And let's ch chalk up one win for Robbie. Walido in the chat agrees with Robbie for round one. I mean, to be fair, I am. I, you are below consensus on where you have him because he is currently going right off the board at QB six, and so um, you know I have him just a just hair ahead of, uh, of consensus. You are obviously lower. So, anyways, uh, you know it could be another debate on you know who actually won that. But the next two, <laughs> the, these two, we're gonna we're gonna clump them together because they're very similar type of options. Second year quarterbacks, uh, both of them possess that Konami type code, and that is Trey Lance and Justin Fields, right? I have Justin Fields at twelve. Robbie has him at 20, which is just ridiculous. And then uh, Trey Lance, I have at 14, and Robbie has him at 18. So let, let, let's, let's, just, let's, just, let's just break this down, okay? One, I will start with Justin Fields because Trey Lance is super easy. But Justin Fields is – so, I, I like, the biggest question mark I have for him and, like, the thing that we've kind of talked about with him as well, you know, all, you know in our Discord – um, you know, and, you know, on here as well with him is I don't get how people were so high on Jalen Hurts last year, but are not a high on Justin Fields this year. Like they are very similar, very similar offenses that they're going to be in. Um, we've had, you know, we've had this debate before with, with Justin Fields and, and that sentiment, because I feel like those offenses last year are so, so similar, right? A run heavy offense. The Bears are going to be more run heavy. The Bears have Darnell Mooney and uh, Cole Komet, where, you know, Jalen Hurts last year had Dallas Goddard and rookie Devonta Smith. And that was really it. There was nothing else past those guys. This is kind of all they had. And so when I look at Justin Fields, who last year certifiably was in one of the worst situations you possibly could have been in. Matt Nagy was the, the, the quintessential terrible head coach, utilized him poorly. Everything that they did with Allen Robinson last year and Darnell Mooney last year was all short, intermediate routes. They did not utilize any deep routes. It was it was completely vanilla offense last year for, for for them, and it was also just musical chairs, right? We're we're flipping guys in and out. We didn't know on a week to week basis who was going to be the starter. But the, even with that being said, three of the last five games for Justin Fields, he finishes as a, as a top ten quarterback. He also had four hundred rushing yards, you know, in a limited time as well. I, it's, it's not hard to extrapolate to think that he could get to six seven hundred rushing yards. And you know, we talk about it like rushing yards is such a huge aspect. To these guys' games, right? They, they, they I, I would take a rushing quarterback all day over a quarterback that doesn't, because they are they will allow you to have a good floor. Because some quarterbacks are going to have a bad game, right? And when you have no ability to run the football, you're you're dead in the water for that week. But these guys, they, you know, they could have a poor passing week, but still get 70, 80 rushing yards, maybe find a rushing touchdown, and it boosts them, right? And not even speaking in four and in, in leagues that are four point. Uh, per pass or four point touchdowns leagues, you get a rushing quarterback that gets you know gets that touchdown. That's six. That, that that's an extra couple points, right? That you're not getting from those other options. And so I'm always going to have a running quarterback higher than everybody else, and because it's much much easier for them to hit this ceiling. Justin Fields, it's not going to take much for him to be able to be a top twelve quarterback. I just don't think that it is. And because I, I think that that with this offense, this scheme that they're going to have this year, it's going to be much more of an outside zone scheme. You're going to see much more getting Justin Fields on the run, you know, utilizing uh, Darnell Mooney as a deep threat, you know, because that's what Justin Fields does the best is his deep ball accuracy. He's one of the best deep ball quarterbacks in the league. Even last year that, that was supported by that last year for him. And so all the things are going to line up. He's just in a much better situation. 
And so, again, I don't really care if the offensive line is great or not. I really don't care because because of his ability to get out of the pocket, because of his ability to use his legs, it's just it's just going to make it hard for him really, truly to fail this year. And so he doesn't have to go out. I mean, like I said, look at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts went out there and did absolutely dick in the passing game and still was a was a fantastic fantasy uh, contributor. And that's how that's exactly what I look at Justin Fields. But I think Justin Fields has a much higher ceiling this year in his passing numbers comparatively to Jalen Hurts. So it's, it's easy for me. If you, if you want to wait on a quarterback, I'm going to take Justin Fields to where nobody's taking him. He's going like 12th, 13th round, somewhere right around there. Give me that all day. If, if you miss out on you know some of the top quarterback options, give me him. Yeah, I think we'll start with that comparison between Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields because I think you're misremembering a little bit of Jalen Hurts' stretch at the end of 2020 when he took over for Carson Wentz. He actually had amazing games as a passer. He had a 338 yard game a 342 yard game three touchdowns 44 attempts one of those games 39 another game and his rushing is also different from Justin Fields Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts they're both running quarterbacks but Jalen Hurts is a much better runner a much more designed rushing quarterback than Justin Fields we're talking about 18 attempts 11 attempts 9 10 9 9 where Justin Fields only cracked I think double digit rushes once in all of his starts last year and his rushing touchdowns, he only had one rushing touchdown in his, I think he started six games last year. So we're not talking about Justin Fields is going out and scoring rushing touchdowns left, right. You know, we might have two, three or four. You know, he's probably going to have less than, than Dak Prescott, right? So I wouldn't pump – got to pump the brakes on that rushing upside. Like he's, he's going to be a runner, right, but he's not in the Jalen Hurts camp. So I, that's why I think there's a little bit of difference between that comparison and then just the overall offense, right? This is not an offense that we're excited for. We're drafting uh, David Montgomery because he can produce whether he has a line or not. We're drafting Darnell Mooney because he's the only show in town. We like Cole Komet as a little bit of a sleeper. But, uh, again, this might be the you're ranking Justin Fields at his ceiling. If he produces, he gets a higher rushing floor than I'm you know, giving him. He steps up his attempts. I think he only had uh, two or three of his starts uh, with 30 passes or above. Um, if he gets more of that volume, he, they have to throw it a little bit more because they're not in games, then, yeah, maybe he can get up to that QB 10, 11, 12 area. But I, I think you're, we're forgetting about the floor as well. He had games where he was the quarterback to 30, 31, 32 he was the quarterback 24 in a week quarterback 18 it wasn't until the end of the season which I'll, I'll give him right we improve as we go through in our rookie year and you're right I think the biggest point to your case is that his last couple games he was the quarterback 10 so we did see progression there um, it, it limited in a small sample size so uh, again maybe this is a ranking at ceiling versus I, I would argue maybe I'm ranking at floor because I do see those down games as well in an offense that's probably not all that potent he only had seven touchdowns um, in his six starts. So I don't think we're going to get a lot of passing touchdown. I don't think we're going to get a, lot, a ton of rushing touchdowns. He's going to be this middling quarter, uh, quarterback two, probably low in quarterback two, and that's why I'm ranked accordingly. So, Alito, uh, one, this is a kind of – I was going to trash his take, but I don't <laughs> – <laughs> I don't, I'm going to completely trash it. One, this is a completely new system, right? This is a completely new uh, – you know, Everflus is there now. Luke Getze uh, is the offensive coordinator, like – I don't care what the hell they did last year, right? They, any argument of what he did last year, like or what, how he was utilized last year, is complete trash, right? Because it doesn't matter because uh, everybody that was there is gone, right? So like having that argument or that that, that debate or, or or saying that is ridiculous. Um, there's been a, nothing but positive reports coming out about him this entire you know this entire off season, um, but like I said, I mean we started to see that progression from him. 
right? Like, you know, like I said, you know, week eight, 26.3, week nine, 19.1, week 14, 20.4, and then 16.9 against the, the, the Vikings, you know, we're all, you know, top 10 or better, you know, um, top 10 or better uh, weeks for him. Right. And so this offense is going to be better. Like, like, like I said, like this offense last year was so unoriginal was everything like there's been so much, like, like, I think we've talked about this, but there's been so many cutups of this offense of like just dumb things that Matt Nagy was doing with this offense last year. And it just didn't make any sense. Like they weren't utilizing Justin Fields to, to, to his capability. Right. We didn't see the play action, the, you know, the RPOs, the, you know, the rollouts and everything else that would have made the most sense to get him on the run and, you know, allow him to utilize his athleticism. He was like, he was basically running the Andy Dalton offense last year, which is fucking stupid. Like that's, that's just ridiculous. Like it, it didn't make any sense. And so that's why I think that a lot of people, you know, are going to, look at last year and look at some of the stuff that he did and that's why people are low on him right and it's he plays for the bears right but it's not like people were excited about the eagles last year like man i really want to get my hands on all these eagles pass catchers last year right like everybody wanted jalen hurts because of his ability to run the football and while i'm not not saying that justin fields is going is going to uh, be getting you know 10 12 carries a game but he's still going to be He's still going to be a guy who finishes top eight in carries among all quarterbacks. He is still going to be a guy who's going to finish, in my opinion, top five, top six in rushing yards among quarterbacks. And so with that, all that being said, I, I think there's just like because because we get to this point with especially with rookie quarterbacks, if they don't produce year one, we immediately knock him down. We immediately say, Oh, this guy's a bum. You know, and, and, and we, we kind of we kind of, you know. Uh, toss him to the side is what ends up happening with a lot of these quarterbacks. And I think it's a mistake because we get caught in the, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, you know, his first year, whenever he started. And, you know, a lot of these other quarterbacks that just came out and balled, but that's just not the way this works. And so I just think everything's aligned for him to take a, a big step forward this year. And I don't think it's that hot to say that he, that he can be a top 12 quarterback this year. Yeah. One quick point, and then we'll move on to Trey Lance. I think the, the only reason I'm not buying back in because I agree with you. Sometimes we throw out the rookie quarterbacks too quickly and I'm trying not to do that. The problem is everybody said it, ask any Chicago bears fan, what did they do to help Justin Fields? They didn't address offensive line. They didn't address wide receiver. They didn't address anything to help Justin Fields. So as we say, he's going to take that step forward. I don't know why we're saying that. I expect this offense, maybe it's different in its concept. I don't expect it to be super great. I don't know how Luke Gexty is going to call plays. He hasn't called plays uh, since he was a college coach. So could he be good? Maybe, but this is a defensive head coach uh, with a first-time offensive play caller that hasn't called plays since college. So maybe he'll be great, but maybe he'll be just one of these uh, guys that we're looking at and saying, hey, this wasn't a good offensive uh, coordinator hire. So that remains to be seen. But let's jump over to Trey Lance because I think there's some similarities, right? We're talking about uh, a rushing floor. What's that ceiling versus – And I feel like I'm one of the few that talks about Trey Lance's downside because I think we did see a lot of it in terms of passing volume and in terms of passing accuracy, a.k.a. his efficiency when he threw the football. Is he making completions? Is he getting good yardage out of it? And outside a couple of broken plays to Debo Samuels where where he was absolutely blown coverage, I think we all remember that one play where he gets, I think it was an 88-yard touchdown that really boosts his stats for that one game um, because he had small sample size with only three starts. We're looking at Trey Lance as if he's fantastic. He's going to do it. He's going to be that next big thing. Rushing floors there. He's going to take the step forward with these good uh, weapons around him. And I just don't think the passing volume is going to be there. I don't think his passing efficiency is going to be there. So he has to be this quarterback that just rushes in for eight to 10 touchdowns. And he has to be a guy that just throws it a ton just to get to 
where I think you have him as this low end QB one. And I'm maybe in the middle. I think he does have a higher rushing floor than fields. And that's why I bump him up to 18 instead of 20. But I just don't know if I'm buying in on the ceiling like everybody else, where I'm more of the, hey, there's a lot of pitfalls to his games. We're talking about arm fatigue in training camp. Shocking. He only threw 300 passes in college. He's super raw. Like this, there's a, there's a reason we have all these question marks why he's not the for sure starter. I, I don't think we're going to have to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not saying that. I think he does move uh, to Seattle or something. They're, they're not going to have a quarterback competition there because they invested too much in him. I'm just not sure he gets it done. And this is a team that doesn't want to mess around. They're in a window where they can win playoff games. And so if for some reason Garoppolo is on that roster, I do think it's a problem because if he struggles, they want to win games this year. So I, I get Cody, you just, you're just out on Trey Lance after one year. I mean, last year you were the Trey Lance, you know, worst for now you're out on Trey Lance. You're out on this year already. Listen, I, I would say this right now. Okay. If, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets moved, because the only reason I have uh, Trey Lance at 14 and not higher, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets moved, I'm moving Trey Lance up to the top 10. Like that's smash. Like that's easy top 10 guy. Right. And, and very similar to what we talked about. But now we're talking about George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel as, as being this guy's pass catcher. He's still going to – and he is going to be much more of a guy who's going to be utilized as, as, a, um, as a runner, like no doubt about it. Like he is okay. definitely going to see probably 10-plus carries a game, 10-plus attempts a game. He's built like that. You know, like it's, it's very similar. So like when, you, when you're talking about a player like, like Cam Newton, right? Cam Newton isn't something that I would ever have talked about as being like this elite passer, right? Just never was. But he was always going to get you there, and he was always a top twelve quarterback because of what? Because of that rushing, that that rushing that that he that he provides. And that's exactly the same thing with Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance is easy. Like if, if Trey Lance is the starter and Jimmy Garoppolo is gone, no doubt about it. That that this, he's just an easy top, easy and easy, you know, top twelve, top ten quarterback. Because of, because of what he's going to provide. And now you're also talking about him being with just elite weapons that he's going to have. Still a great offensive line. He, he got to learn for a year. He got to sit. Yes, he got a little bit of opportunity you know, last year. But he, he got this entire offseason. Now he's been operating as the QB1 all offseason. He's going to be doing that in training camp as well. So, it's it, again, this is going to be another one of situations. It's going to be really, really, really hard for Trey Lance to fail. Like really hard for him to fail. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be on him. And so far, I don't think we've seen a reason to see that he'll be successful running uh, an NFL offense. Now, that can change. I'm not going to be totally out on him. But until I see it, this is a player that I have questions about coming in. So I have to see it to believe it in this case where other people said, hey, now this is going to be that guy. So you're right. He has, He's going to be a good rusher. And that's going to be the only thing I think that keeps him in that quarterback two conversation because I don't think the yardage will be there or the attempts. So we look at his three starts last year, QB 14, QB 20, and then week 17 against Houston. He was the quarterback 10 against the Houston Texans. So, I mean, that's that's the ceiling for the bad teams. Uh, the, maybe the, the quarterback 20 for some of these uh, decent passing defenses is, is where he's going to be. So I've got him right there in the middle, QB 18. Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know. It's it's like I said, it's gonna be hard for Trey Lance to fail. So, anyways, we, we don't have to keep we don't have to keep harping on that. Uh, we we talked about both these guys, pretty similar um, situations or similar um, feelings on, on on both of them. Um, let's move over to the running back position and let, let's let's talk about let's talk about some running backs. I I have Brees Hall at fifteen. You have him at twenty two. Um, 
this, this one's just kind of easy for me. Like, I think he's going to be a three-down workhorse in this offense. This offensive line has, has gotten better. Um, you know, I love what they've done, you know, through the draft, addressing this offensive line and, you know, just, you know, surrounding Zach Wilson. I think this offense just gets better this year, year two with Zach Wilson. You know, they added Garrett Wilson. You know, you have Elijah Moore. But, you know, I, I think he is going to be the true, the true three-down workhorse here in this backfield. Yes, I mean, Michael Carter will probably get a little bit of opportunities, but – Michael Carter wasn't like heavily utilized as a pass as a pass catching back last year anyway, you know, outside of the games with um I can't even think of his fucking name. Mike yet. White, baby. Mike White, yeah. But outside of that, but he really wasn't utilized as as a third down back either. He was much more of a first and second down back. And so what Brees Hall, you know, can do do it all. And so like I, I don't think it's all that hot having Brees Hall at fifteen. Like like we you know, we, we talked about it like Nine of the last ten years, we've had a a, a a rookie running back finishes an RB one. Four of the last five years, we've had a top four. Uh, we, we or they we uh, four of the last five years, we've had a rookie running back finish in the top five. Like it's going to happen. Like one of the, like, and I think he is the clear cut guy who's going to be able to do this. Like maybe Kenneth Walker is a you know a dark horse that Rashad Penny gets hurt, and you know they just give him so much volume that that he's able to find his way into being a top uh, you know top twelve running back. But Brees Hall like. Metrics lineup, absolutely love them. I think this offense gets better. Good offensive line, you know. I, I again, you know, this is another running back that I that I just feel you know pretty confident about, especially with the guys that are kind of going around. Yeah, I don't think we're too far off on this one. I think what where we we differ is how the season starts. Right, I think we have a a ton of examples of when there is a competent incumbent that the new hot rookie needs to overtake. It doesn't happen week one. It doesn't happen week two, three, four. It normally takes five or six weeks, maybe after that bye week in the middle of the season, until you fully turn the the reins over to that rookie running back. I love Brees Hall. I love the talent. Um, Really pound the table for him in dynasty and rookie drafts. Just they're not just going to go straight away from Michael Carter. That that is for sure. The first couple of weeks. Why? We've seen it with because we've seen it. The NFL has done it over year in and year out. This is this is different. This is a different. This is Michael Carter, year two of Michael Carter. He's not like Melvin Gordon for for Javante Williams, an established vet, somebody that like you know a coaching staff's going to love and a coaching staff. Because if they love Michael Carter so much, then why did they why did they trade up to go get Brees Hall? Because they had Ty Johnson, who's one person on this entire planet. Yeah, but but as much as we know, like you don't have to you don't have to take one of these running backs early. Like he literally is the first running back off the board, and they traded up to get him. Right? He's, a, he's a great talent, but we, we've seen great talents get drafted and they don't get put in right away. Jonathan Taylor, he's considered maybe the best running back in the game right now, right? He he was not thrown in. He was behind Naheem Hines and what is it, Jordan Wilkins, Jonathan Wilkins, uh, DeAndre Swift. He was behind 35-year-old Adrian Peterson and another nobody running back that I can't even remember anymore from Detroit. Cam Akers, same thing with Daryl Henderson. Uh, Antonio Gibson, same thing with with Peyton Barber. He was splitting carries with Peyton Barber. NFL teams do it all the time. They don't look at this for fantasy purposes. They don't say we need to get Brees Hall in because he needs 98% of the workload. No, they're going to split it for the first half of the season. And then this is where I think I agree with you. I do think Brees Hall hits the second half of the season runway that we saw with Jonathan Taylor, that we saw with Javante, that we saw with DeAndre Swift, Akers. I put them all in the same camp where you can draft him be excited about him, but be patient with him. It's not going to happen the first four, five, six weeks. But when he does take over, I think I'm with you. Sky's the limit. All right. This is probably going to take the longest. How much time? What, what are we at? 20, 26 minutes? <laughs> uh, let's get it. 
Wait, so no, we, have, we, have the, we have the Zeke Elliott debate. I have him at 20, you have him at 12. His current ADP right now, where is it at? Where does it sit? Let's I see. think he's starting to rise. He was running back 20. I think he's at 18. You and I both predicted as the season gets going. Yeah, he's at RB18 now. Yep. He's, he's yep. starting to move up. Yes, he, he, which is exactly what I figured was going to happen. And, you know, and some of these other ones, Sleeper, FFC, um, you know, he's all the way up at 15. The lowest he's at is at 21 on fan tracks, according to Fantasy Pros. He's going to continue to rise. Right, as he should, and, yep. and and so, listen. I want absolutely zero to do with Zeke Elliott, like none, not a like you, nothing. Like I, I don't want any part of him. And since, well, actually, you no, know, you 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 know, we yeah. said that uh, you know that uh, whoever was higher on could start. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna allow you to have the floor, and then and then I'll, I'll tell you why you're wrong. Yeah, no, I was waiting. I, we were switching it up there. So here's the thing: if you disliked uh Zeke's season last year right he was injured he didn't get a ton of workload um it wasn't fantastic he only had one uh RB1 week I think it was he was kind of just this middling RB2 that didn't sit out when he probably should have like we'll talk about the injury and guess what he ends up as the running back 13 in points per game running back seven overall which I know we're not trying to talk about the overall we want the points per game because that's what really helps you week to week all of these Bad things happened to him, and he still finished as a running back 13. He was a solid RB2. He wasn't what you drafted him for. I think we agree with that. He was in the first round. He didn't pay off at that rate, but he was still a really, really strong running back too. And and in really good offense, scored touchdowns, caught passes, right? And this is splitting time with Tony Pollard. That was running back 13. You have him seven spots worse than last year when he dealt with a PCL injury from week five on. So you, you basically what you're saying is injured Zeke where he's not getting the workload. He's a shell of himself. We go from uh, 85 yards a game to 49 yards per game. We go from uh, 5.3 yards per carry pre-injury to 3.8 yards per carry post-injury. Uh, his yards per reception came down. Everything got worse, right? It was noticeably different. And when you watch the Cowboys games from the stats, no matter how you cut it, you could tell he ran injured, right? Probably should have shut him down. Probably should have held him out. But they didn't. And so even through all of that, he's still a – High end running back too. Okay, now we get a healthy Zeke, right? Tony Pollard can still mix in. That's absolutely fine. We get a healthy Zeke who can get better efficiency, who's still on a really good offense, and we have a vacation of targets. The vacation of targets is a cash would like to say the vacated targets of Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup for the first six weeks. Where do we see those targets go to? They go to the running backs. Like the stats have shown us that when there's uh, your wide receiver one leaves town, we think it, the, the void gets filled with this next wide receiver one, and it does to a certain extent, but a certain percentage drops off to the running back. And so that's going to happen for Tony Pollard, which I agree with your point that you've made on a couple of shows where they're going to both be on the field, and I think this helps Tony Pollard as well. But it's not taken away from Zeke. They shared the ball uh, a lot last year, and they shared it in 2020 when the offense was absolutely horrible. We were going through quarterbacks left, right, and center, going through offensive line left, right, and center. Zeke was still good. He was still a running back, too, during both those seasons. And now you get him in the third round, running back 18. You can take him, and he has the top six running back upside if he gets back to where he was. And if you don't agree with that, that's fine. You you still got a fantastic running back, two, low-end running back, one, that you got in the third round. So there's no re- – he's probably one of the best values that you can take right now in fantasy football because you, people are looking at him and they're saying, oh, you're drafting the injured guy that's going to be even worse than he was last year. And that's not going to happen because he's going to be healthier and 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 he's going to get the these vacated targets. So floor is yours, sir. 
the problem is is that everything you're trying to say is just you're trying to create uh, an excuse for him right it was oh well, well he had he was injured last year or the year before it was it was something else right but the facts remain that tony pollard is in the same backfield right the same backfield as he is but tony pollard continues to be the more efficient running back you know he was this year he was the year before and we've continually seen now Zeke elliott continually lose opportunities in this backfield 2019 2019, 18.8 carries. 2020, he averaged 16.3 carries. And last year, 14.4 carries. Targets, 4.5, 4.7, and 3.8. Targets per game, right? Do, do Really quick, I hate to interrupt because I know you got a lot of good stuff saying. Can you do the splits weeks one through four, healthy versus not healthy? Because when you say it like that, I agree with you. It's like, oh, man, he just keeps getting worse. But when you put context to that, weeks one through four, he wasn't at 14 uh, carries per game. He was back at his 2019 pace. And so that's just one point that I want to, because I, I think Ashton also put it, he says he gets worse every single year. Well, yeah, if you just look at the, the season end, if you don't take context that he played injured, for sure he got but worse. But that's just one year, though. You're talking about just last year. I mean, the year before he wasn't well, great 2020, either. Are, are we going to act like 2020 wasn't a different year? We're playing with four-string quarterbacks, Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci, and Andy Dalton. Like, but still, I mean, you're still talking about a 27-year-old running back that that 20. has been ridden hard and put back wet, and that has just has gotten worse and hasn't been the same each of the last two seasons. And so, I mean, yes, we can talk about the injury all you want, but again, the, the part about the injury is it's like it's like a crutch, right? It's, it's being used as a crutch because we have no clue throughout the entire season how much it affected him. How bad was it? How you know? It, it, that's the problem. Is that like using it is is to, in my eyes is much more of it's like well you know I'm gonna use this as an out that he was hurt. I we have no clue how bad it was or you know did, did he start to get better? Did, did he start to improve? We don't know that. And so to me, it's just a crutch, right? Where huh? And it's, it's even more so of like who's going around him? Like who would you rather have? Okay, Cam Akers or Zeke Elliott? It's Cam Akers for me all day Zeke, because Zeke his sure. ceiling is so much higher. He Zeke does not have you, – you have to get out of your head. Zeke does not have top five upside. He does not. He has he the receptions. Absolutely. Who, who gets more receptions? You have uh, Cam Akers who gets 1.3 receptions per game, and you have Zeke who gets over two receptions per game. That, that's, that's a no-brainer. Who's who's uh, the touchdown upside? Tell me, can't t- tell me Cam Akers' touchdown totals versus Zeke's touchdown totals. I mean, I want, I want Cam Akers as, as who I would want. He does. He has, he has a higher ceiling. And by the way, uh, Zeke Elliott was 15th in fantasy points per game last year, not, not 13. Um, just thought I'd put that out there. Uh, okay. And so, but I would rather have Cam Akers. Um, I'm swinging for the fences. I'm not swinging for a single or a double here. When I, when I'm, and I'm damn sure not going to uh, put my third round pick on a 27-year-old running back who's continually – you know who's continually gotten worse, and there's 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 no there's nothing there's nothing there to point to to say that uh, that just last year was just a fluke because the year before, right, wasn't great either. We we, and, we talked okay. about that. honestly though. Would you do you take like Amari Cooper and CD Lamb stats at face value for the 2020 season, or do you say that's completely hey, different? They're relied on the quarterback. A running back's not reliant on the quarterback position. Oh, absolutely. You see running games. So you're we don't see elite quarterback. We, we we don't see running backs finishes. Let's talk about Christian McCaffrey. What what great quarterbacks has he had? What I'm saying is when you go from what about starting, Ed, Barkley, same thing with, 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 with his 2008-2019, uh, same thing. Oh, Both he was he, he was definitely worse when they had when they had their backup in. Absolutely. When they had Mike Lennon in this year, 
Absolutely. Like there, there's a decrease when you go from your starting running back, you, it puts more pressure on the run game. I think, I think that's not debatable, right? Would you say that you're, you're, your ability it's gonna be, to focus it, on the it's running game. A little bit, but it's not this monster like oh, like like the, they're just gonna crater. Like Zeke Elliott was not good. Like I remember in 2020, like there was legitimate debates about like should we be dropping Zeke Elliott right now? Like he just wasn't good. And so the same thing this year is is the same thing. Like he's just continually falling off. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just gonna bet on that in the third round that with my third round pick that I'm gonna take a shot on Zeke. Like I'm like oh well we'll see if he can do it. He's 27 years old. No, twenty-seven. Like you're acting like he's thirty. You're acting like he's David Johnson. And, he's, and he's had f- his workload is by far just not even close to the next uh, to the next guy of the among active running backs. And a guy that's had that much workload over his career, who's damn sure going to be cut after this year, will no longer be a part of the of the Cowboys because his contract falls off dramatically after this year. They're not cutting and, both. They're they're not they're not losing both Pollard and Zeke. They're going to make a choice on one of them. The smart move would be to take the guy who's been you know the be, the best the, the oh, better running back in the back. You have to make the same mistake and you have to pay a, a new running back a second contract at ten plus million a year. If you look at that from a dollars and cents, I don't think they do that. And I'm just speaking from a, a team strategy standpoint. But we're diving too far into the Cowboys. We can. We can move on to the next guy. I mean, I, I, this was this is just easy. And then, not to mention, just take <laughs> David Pollard. Just take Tony Pollard. He is the easiest eighth round, seventh round pick in all of fantasy football this year. You fucking, you, he is so easy. He has standalone value, <laughs> and he is an absolute to the moon. How many times did you start Tony Pollard weeks one through four? Zero times. He he does not have standalone value. He is he's listen. It's different. Listen, small sample size. Okay. <laughs> You're, we're standing on four weeks of, of sample here, and you're, 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 that's what you're going down with the ship in. Uh, Emmy Award winner. We have an Emmy. I know, winner. and he's yeah, agreeing with you. 27 is a new 37. That's That sounds like a new series. If, if new people team. didn't know, we had, uh, old Dave Berger is a Emmy. Oh, uh, wait, hold on. Oh, three-time. Three-time Emmy Award winner. Love to see it. You know, yeah. that, hey, that's how you know where we're, we're going places. You know, we got yeah. we Emmy Award winners You know, tuning into the show. So that one was a good one. We got out. Okay. It. I was clearly right. You, you pass on, on Zeke Elliott Ooh. and you take Tony Pollard four rounds later. Thank me later. I wouldn't even be surprised if Tony Pollard, you know, is the starter. He's, he's, he's going to be the best running back in this backfield again. <laughs> oh man. We got to move on to Antonio Gibson. Listen, this, this one's is- easy. I'm surprised you actually have him at eight. Like, so like to me that listen, this, this, this thing with, with him, and I, we don't spend a lot of time on Antonio Gibson. Yep. On one hand, I went back and forth on on Antonio Gibson and like, man, what if Brian Robinson sucks? Like, it's definitely the range of possibility. Like, Brian Robinson's just not good at football, right? Like, there were some metrics that you could point to that Alabama, like, he wasn't really that good, like, at at Alabama, right? And that is one of the best offenses in the league. We know NFL coaches are, uh, you know, especially by that Alabama logo, you know, and so I don't, I don't particularly think Brian Robinson is necessarily that great at football, right? And if he's not, I mean, this could definitely still be Antonio Gibson's backfield, and we're just letting, and he's just falling, you know, free falling down the <laughs> down the ADP, right? And so the, I, I, it, it's tough though because they also have JD fucking McKissick that they decided they had to bring back. I was so happy when it looked like he was going to be gone. I think it was with Buffalo, Swerve. and then he Last just changed his mind, decided to go back to you know the Washington football team. Baby, come back. Yes, like I, I was pissed because like I like you know me, I am the big Antonio. I love Antonio Gibson, the talent, one hundred percent. But 
it's just a frustrating situation because they've they, they've talked about like you know Brian Robinson and Tony Gibson as like the, what was it the Jonathan Stewart and uh, D'Angelo Williams like you know like everything that Ron Rivera does is, is like like he is so stuck in the past of the Panthers like everything he talks about is like the Panthers everything yeah. it was Antonio Gibson's we're gonna we're gonna utilize him just just like Christian McCaffrey yeah. and then this year it's oh we're gonna use these two guys like you know, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams I'm like bro. Let it go of your days of the Panthers, man. You've been gone there for a long time. They fired your ass for a reason, okay? Like, it's, it's just so frustrating. Like, so I, I very well could be too high, too low on him. I'm at 24. You have him at 18 because I went back and forth on this. But there's just so much uncertainty here that I'm just like, ah, you know what? Uh, I'm going to let somebody else take it. Yeah, yeah, just continuing to mop the floor with you on these rankings debates, and you are too low on him. And, and I, I was surprised because I am lower on Gibson probably than consensus for all the same reasons, right? Oh, they bring in his, another, his uh, ADP plus. is sixteen, just so for the record. Yep, so I'm a little bit lower, right? And, and they bring in Brian Robinson, they re-sign J.D. McKissick. You're like, oh no, the sky's falling. They don't like this guy. Well, let's back up a little bit again. He had his shin splints last year and still finished as the running back ten. And we look at the the carries, right? We take out McKissick's carries. We take out Antonio Gibson's carries. There's actually 90 carries still there for Brian Robinson to take, and it doesn't cut into one single carry that Gibson has. Hell, can, do we need to give the ball to McKissick between the tackles? I don't think so, right? And and we shouldn't be all that worried about McKissick because Gibson's still fine as a PPR back. He doesn't have that 70-target uh, ceiling that some other running backs have, but he had 52 targets in 16 games last year. He had 44 in 14 games as a rookie. Like that, those are fine numbers. They're not great, but he's that's running back two uh, PPR numbers, right? So he's smack dab in the middle of running back two for me because he does have some risk. They, they added some other pieces. It makes you uncertain. You're not feeling great about it, but he was fantastic last year, even playing through injury. They upgraded with Carson Wentz. I know I'm not going to shoot through the moon for Carson Wentz, but he's definitely better than Taylor Heineke. So, uh, they bring in Jahan Dotson, right? Another uh, uh, burner, right? So th- this offense is probably going to take a step forward. And I, I think Gibson's going to be fine. Give him 215, 220 carries. Give him seven touchdowns. That's another thing. He scored 10 touchdowns his rookie year, seven touchdowns last year. He finds the end zone. I understand we can be a little bit worried about Brian Robinson, but I think he's a, just a fine running back too. I'm not trying to target him anywhere. I actually am down on him this year, but let's not go too far where we're pushing him past into that flex consideration. So I'm going to say the same thing again, uh, and I, I will continue to say it. Um, I am all about ceiling. I, I could uh, and like I want players who I feel like are just give me home run hits, right? Every every single time throughout the draft, we're trying to win this damn thing. Okay, we're not trying to come in third. We're sure we're trying to win, and I I just don't see the the ceiling for Antonio Gibson. And so when I knew my rankings, I tried to intentionally move guys further down because I just don't like if, – if, if somebody was going off my rankings, I want to make sure that they get no Antonio Gibson, that they have no shot of drafting Antonio Gibson. Unless Now, if he did happen to fall to RB24, then yes, at that point, you, you know, you, you, there becomes a point where, okay, if a guy falls as far, you're going to take him, right? But for, for most drafts, you're out on him because – where I have them, right? And so that's that's the way I look at it. I just don't think he really has the ceiling with them bringing in Brian Robinson, with them having uh, J.D. McKissick there. I just think there's too much going against them. Not to mention this offense is going to be probably not great again uh, with uh, you know them bringing in Carson Wentz. Uh, maybe it's a little bit better, perhaps. But, I mean, they do have the, the all the other weapons are certainly there with John Dotson and Terry McLaurin. Logan Thomas is still there. Curtis Samuel is still there. So, you know, it has the makings to be a really good offense. But, you know, unless Carson Wentz reverts to his, you know, you know possible MVP season, uh, you know, I don't know what to look at here. So that's really the that's, that's really my only argument against, Tony, uh, or against Antonio Gibson. Like I said, love the player. 
but I just think it's a shitty situation for him to be in, and I just don't really want any part of him. So, fair enough. Next right. player. Let's uh, let's keep it moving here. Let's go jump over to the wide receivers. Tyreek Hill. It, this is so easy. I have him at eight. You have him at twelve. Okay. Um, I think there's a much more likelihood that we're going to see a very consolidated target share, and it's going to be between two players, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And I think Mike Kosicki loses the opportunity. I think he loses targets, and I think it really comes down to Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. I think that you see them utilize a little bit more deep, you know, deep, uh, deep action as well. But Tyree Kill, we've seen him be – a wide receiver one. He's been a wide receiver one pretty much every year of his career. And he's been a wide receiver one without Patrick Mahomes. He's done it with Alex Smith. If you think, if you think two is at least good as Alex Smith. Okay. You know, like, like he's done it right. He is, he is one of the best, if not the best yards after the catch guy, you know, you get the ball in his hands and he, he can house call it anytime he gets to the field. And I think this offense is going to be able to be a little more explosive than what the – because the Chiefs' offense, in all, all fairness, last year wasn't all that explosive. Like, it was much more methodical. Let's dink and dunk down the field. Where this year, you know, he's not going to be having those same constraints because people aren't going to play them the same way as they played the Chiefs last year. But Tyree Kill is still absolutely that guy. He is still going to see 130, 140, maybe 150 targets this year. And the thing is, he doesn't need – some massive target share to be a top 12 wide receiver. He doesn't, he doesn't need 170 targets. We've seen him be a wide receiver one on a hundred targets because of how explosive he is because of what, what the things that he can do with the yard, you know, at yards after the catch, you know, obviously deep ball and all that stuff. So Tyree kill is just a slam dunk to me. Like, yes, the, I, I don't have him as high as, as I normally would, you know, in the chief's offense, he would be top three, but where I have him right now, I just think it's, it, you know, Having him outside of the top 10, I think, is a little disrespectful. I know Cody has him at, like, wide receiver 15 or something, which is just truly disrespectful, you know, for, for a player of, of Tyree Kill's caliber. Um, and you have him at 12, and, you know, that's that's a little bit more, but still too way too low for me, especially with some of the wide receivers that are going in that range. Because, like, to me, Jalen Waddle going at wide receiver 13 is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, no, I'd say unless you think Tua is going to support two, what, top 13 wide receivers, you better be drafting him a hell of a lot higher than ADP shows right now. Um, no, I agree. I think those two wide receivers are going to cannibalize a little bit more than what people think. I do. I agree with you. <clears throat> it's going to be uh, really there. Those two are going to get the main target share. But what does that overall pie look like, right? We're going from a team that threw 40 times a game with the Chiefs catching passes from the best physical tools quarterback in the NFL and had uh, Patrick Mahomes had a 6.4 touchdown rate. So you're getting nine touchdowns to boot. <clears throat> uh, on the flip side. Now we go to Tua, and I don't want to slander Tua because I really like Tua, Tua, but he's not Patrick Mahomes, right? We're going to have a decrease in that touchdown rate. We're going to have a decrease in those yards per attempt. And we're going to have a decrease in the overall offensive scheme. They're not throwing these uh, the second most. They're not throwing 40 times a game. Uh, in a Mike McDaniel's offense, like it, it, that would be bonkers if they threw it 40 times a game. I assume it's going to be more of the 34, 35, probably league average, right? Maybe even less just given his history with Kyle Shanahan. I'm not totally buying. He's going to run straight what Kyle Shanahan did. I think he understands they brought in Tyreek Hill for a reason too. I think can take that next step forward. So I'm more right there, league average, right? So if you lower the overall pie, you lower his um, piece of the pie. He's not getting that same target share he saw in Kansas City. And then you lower his efficiency and his touchdown total. I don't think he gets nine touchdowns, probably six or seven, right? 
he's going to be a back-end wide receiver one, uh, maybe high-end wide receiver two. That's just the area that those type of wide receivers finish. They get around 83 catches, 1,100 yards, and, and six touchdowns, right? A little bit better than DJ Moore. Um, that, that's probably where he's going to finish. So um, I have him right uh, there for projections as well. Uh, I ranked this before I did projections, but projections put him right there at wide receiver 12 as well. So, um, yeah, I just I just don't see that same touchdown ceiling, that same yardage ceiling that we saw with with Mahomes. So I don't think we should expect that, right? It's a completely different situation. He does not have that the top eight, top ten uh, ceiling anymore. <laughs> For, well, all right. Well, let's just <laughs> – Nothing I, I, pissed. No, no, no. I, I, I 100% disagree uh, with that. Like I said, like he has always been somebody that has been independent of that. And like, honestly, like if you look at him, you know, I, I was talking about what he did with Alex Smith. I mean, he had 105 targets that year, 75 receptions. What year was that, Kev? What 2017. Year was that? But he only had 1,100, okay. he had 1,183 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. And he was still wide receiver seven in fantasy points per game that year, you know, with Alex Smith and whenever he only had 105 targets. We can agree. Like, he's never been a, a, a monster target earner. Like, last year was the most he's ever seen, and that was 159, right? But he's been a wide receiver one outside outside of his rookie year in 2016. That's it. That That's the list. Uh, other than that, he's been a wide receiver one. And like I said, he's done it without Patrick Mahomes. The argument's always, oh, he's been in Patrick Mahomes' offense. Yeah? Well, he's done it without Patrick Mahomes as well. And so – I, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't see 140 plus targets this year. And with that being the case, with how explosive he is once the ball gets in his hand, everything else I laid out, it's going to be really hard. And I honestly, I think you see far more opportunities of him of him being kind of Debo Samuel like with with what they did with uh, Debo Samuel in San Francisco, being able to utilize him in that way out of the backfield, getting rushes uh, because. You know, you, all you're trying to really do is get the ball in his hands in any creative way you possibly can because of what he does after the ball is in his, in his hands. And I think you see a lot of that as well. So it's just really hard, you know, that to, for me to see or even imagine a scenario where he's not a top 10 wide receiver again this year. And so, you know, uh, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. This is one of those situations I'm kind of excited to see and you know, how everything plays out this year uh, with Tyree Kill. But, you know, again, let, let's keep it moving. And this – this is, you know, if I thought that was disrespectful, like this makes me want to find out where you live and just come over and just punch you in the throat with, with, this, with this disrespect <laughs> of Darnell Mooney, who I just dropped a video on today. So if people have already watched it, they have some idea of what I'm going to say here. But Darnell Mooney, I have him at wide receiver 14. You have him at wide receiver 26. Which, just so we're clear, what's ADP? I feel like I have him at ADP, maybe above ADP. You're, you're, you're obviously the one – completely in left field. I just want to make sure don't act like I'm, you're going to come over and beat me. You have to beat a lot of people because you are way out in left field. I am. He's wide receiver 24, 61st overall is, is where okay. he is currently. So going. I'm in, I'm in line with most regulars. Just, just so we're clear. But they're all wrong. And yeah. And I actually, that, that's, that's pretty much what I said in the start of the video today. Uh, just the, the disrespect of, of my man, uh, Darnell Mooney here. And I don't really get it because you're getting a wide receiver that was 11th in target share last year, 26.7% uh, last year, 14, uh, 14th in market share of the air yards, 15th in deep targets, 81 receptions, almost 1,100 yards and five touchdowns last year. Um, you know, and like we've talked about, there's really nobody else there. But we're, but in a different offensive situation, once again, where they are going to be able to utilize this offense uh, much better than what we saw. Because, again, what we saw them utilize with Darnell Mooney, with Allen Robinson, was all short 
intermediate route stuff. It was all curls, slants, and Darno Mooney is much more of a deep threat than, uh, you know, he was 15th in deep targets last year, but he was 56th in catchable target rate last year. 56th in catchable target rate and still posted the numbers that, that he did, right? And so, like I said, this offense is going to be better. He's going to be more efficient. And you're basically, if you draft him at cost right now, that's where he finished. That's, that's right around where he finished last year. He has gotten better each of the last two seasons he's been in the league. And I very much view him as the Deontay Johnson of last year. Like, I think I think it's very easy to see a pass high-end wide receiver two. Um, the ultimate ceiling probably being a low-end wide receiver one. And I don't think it's I don't think it's all that hot. He is somebody that has gotten better each of the last two years. He is an excellent separator, top seven in target separation. He is excellent against man um, as well against man and zone coverage. Like he's he's just gotten better each of the last two years. And there's nobody else there to take targets away from. So if you're getting a guy and where he's going, you have him at 26. But a guy who's who's likely 140, 150 plus targets, you're not going to find many of those guys that are, that are sitting there in that range. And yes, you can say whatever you think about the offense, but the volume is certainly going to be there. So it's going to be able to live off that. And like I said, if we start opening up this offense more, utilize them more as a deep threat, and, and get a little bit more creative with this offense without Matt Nagy there, then I, I think that that Deontay John or Deontay Johnson, Darnell Mooney makes a, takes another big step this year. So you're excited about the the target share, right? You're excited about his volume, right? You think about 140 targets, that'd be fantastic, right? We're excited about that. That's what he had this last year, 140 targets. He was the wide receiver 27, right? Even worse than where I'm ranking him at. So I don't think the volume is going to change a whole lot. He's not getting 160, 170 targets because they're not going to throw it 660 times like the Steelers. So I, I, we can't quite go to the Deontay Johnson route because Deontay Johnson almost got 170 targets because they threw it 660 times. Again, this is a Justin Fields offense. They're probably going to throw sub 550, 530 maybe. Uh, have to jump in the projection to see where, where I have Matt, but – um, they're not going to throw that much. So he's the only show in town. I agree. I have him at 140 targets projected, um, 11th in targets last year, 11th in routes, 13th in air yards, 15th in, in, in deep targets. You're talking about all these things. Same quarterback, right? Same same quarterback, same bad offensive line. Nobody else around him to take away other options. I don't see why we think there's going to be this big step forward for the Chicago Bears. Was Matt Nagy not great? Absolutely. Is Luke Getze the next big thing? I don't, I don't know that. Like maybe he's going to be great, but I don't think we take a step forward where Justin Fields is now completing 62% of his passes. His, his yards per attempt now jumps to 7.5. Like, I don't know if we can make that leap where Darnell Moody's going to, going to all of a sudden become this top, this wide receiver or high end wide receiver two is where you have him at. Um, for, to do that, he'd have to increase uh, the efficiency or increase the touchdowns. And, and I don't see Justin Fields throwing 25 touchdowns, right? Uh, Darnell Mooney is going to be right in that four to six range. I think I have him projected for five to six. So small increase there, uh, small increase maybe in his uh, catchable targets. But outside of that, like it's not going to be all that different than what we saw last year in Chicago. Maybe the offensive scheme will be, but I don't think the results because we have a lot of the same players uh, in, in that situation. So, um, I, yeah, I cannot have him as a top 15 wide receiver. Uh, you're just 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 slightly too high on him. Maybe we talk again. We talk about ranking ceilings. Here's what we found out, Kev, is that when you love a player and you see that ceiling, you're ranking them at the ceiling. And when you don't see a player with ceiling, you're pushing them extra down. And that's maybe a difference in how most other people rank, where they're going to say, "Hey, here's where I expect him to finish." But I do want to cap his ceiling here. If you want to take the upside on this guy in this tier, and here's a, here's another point. I just use the word tier. 
this is why tier based ranking, I think is so important because when you put these guys into tiers, you can have that conversation of, well, I like this guy a little bit more because he's in this tier, but I do think he can shoot up because of the touchdown potential, because of the efficiency uh, potential. Um, that's where we can have those conversations. I don't quite rank Darnell Mooney. And also I don't really see a ceiling there, right? He's not going to be a high end touchdown guy. He's not going to be a deep yards per attempt, DK Metcalf, 15 yards per catch guy. He's going to be a middle of the field guy and he's going to be a low touchdown guy. So I don't, I don't see that high ceiling. Hey, Ashton's with you here. That That's the quote of the year so far. They're all wrong. Listen, I know one thing when I, generally speaking, when I go all in on, on players, I'm right. And so yeah. I, I, I know. Yep. Okay. I'm a, I'm a Johnson, baby. That, that was more of a joke than anything. But, uh, <laughs> okay. this, this one, this one's pretty simple for me. Um, and like I said, I mean, it's, it's easy. Um, I've already I've laid out the case. There's a whole five minute video on it as well. You can go watch as well uh, on this, uh, so we don't have to keep going down this rabbit hole. But like I said, he's he's this year's Deontay Johnson, um, and I think I don't I don't really think it's all that hot. Um, so let's keep it moving. Let's talk about Terry McLaurin. And I already know the argument against Terry McLaurin um, is going to be. He's never done it before. We, we, we're excited about him every single year, and he just doesn't come through, you know? Like, every year we, we do this, right? Because, I mean, he finished 20, 29th in fantasy points per game in 2019, 20th in 2020, and 29th again in 2021. <laughs> Wait, is, that, is that the argument? That's that's a, one piece of it. That's correct. What do you got? Yeah, that's the argument. The dude is still a certified baller, all right? He is, a, he, he, he is still an elite wide receiver. Okay, he has happened to be stuck, and that there was no no lies detected. Absolutely, no lies detected in that statement. The, the first half of the season for uh, for Jonathan Taylor's rookie year, I mean, Trent Richardson actually was better. I mean, it's actually disrespectful to call him that uh, to, to call him Trent Richardson because Trent Richardson was actually better. You know that that for that first one, I have no problem with that because I call it how I see it. Okay, I'm not one of those people. And to be fair, I'm pretty confident I'm going to move Jonathan Taylor down. He should not be the RB one. We have this problem every single year of, of, of ranking players uh, who finished last year just because where they finished last year. Like, there is a very small chance that he finishes the RB1 this year. And so, uh, anyways, uh, we're, we're going off track. We're supposed to talk about Terry McLaurin. Um, I, I, just, I just feel like that whenever we look at something like Carson Wentz, right, like I feel like he is going to absolutely um, – I, 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 he, he is a guy who, one, cannot support multiple wide receivers, right? But I still think Terry McLaurin – is somebody who I think is better than, you know, he's, he's kind of been the Allen Robinson type situation, right? Where he's never had a good quarterback. He's always been, you know, we were excited about the Ryan Fitzpatrick situation, uh, you know, but that never came to light. Now, not that Carson Wentz is, uh, you know, a massive upgrade over Taylor Heineke, but he's still a better, he's still a better quarterback than what Taylor Heineke brings to the table. And, you know, especially, you know, if you look at some, I mean, he has these boom opportunities, right? Last year, 27.3, week two, 30.3, week four, 25.2, week seven. And then, you know, the, over that second half of the season where, you know, the, the, that team completely cratered, you know, is where he kind of had, had a fallen off. But I do think that he he's going to be the number one target getter in this offense. He's the best wide receiver they have. Yes, Jahan Dotson, somebody they, they, they you know, um, that they uh, spent a first round pick on last year, you know, Curtis Samuel is still there, but I, I just think that he is somebody that I think could put it all together with a better quarterback. He's going to see hundred Brown, 130, 140 ish targets right around where he's been going 
over the last couple of years. His really his really big problem has been touchdowns, right? I mean, because seven, four, and five. You know, last year he had over a thousand yards. He had uh, almost three straight years of a thousand yard seasons, right? So some of the hate against him that, that how bad he's been, you know, I, I think is a little uncalled for because he has been, you know, for the most part since he's been in the league, you know, every single year has been somebody who's dropped over a thousand receiving yards. Yeah, I'm surprised you're actually not lower on him, right? We're talking about another lower ceiling player, right? They bring in Jahan Dotson, a first round uh, talent. Curtis Samuel is healthy again. Logan, Tom- Logan Thomas is coming off season end- ending injury from last year, so he's going to be back in the fold. And I get it. He's not the fantastic, but he's better than John Bates. So we're going to have a-, a lower target share for him. He was only at 130 targets last year, which I know I say only, but like if he- we get all these other pieces, right, that can drop even further. Uh, the-, the commanders were. Uh, third uh, third least amount in passing attempts. So sure, they take a little step forward with Carson Wentz. I do think the efficiency takes a step forward. Uh, but we're talking about he's not going to be – he's not even the best like prospect of a wide receiver on his team, right? When we had Terry McLaurin drafted in the second round uh, three years ago, we were like, man, he was overdrafted, right? Like this, this was way too high for him. Jahan Dotson, first-round talent, much better pedigree. It would be a surprise. Talent? I feel like people, most people think that they they reached on Jahan Dotson. End of, end of the first round, he definitely went a little bit higher than people thought, but most people had him around that end of the, the first, uh, first round, going to the Packers, going to the Chiefs were, were a lot of uh, takes there. Um, but he's he's probably the better prospect. And, and so if you tell me that uh, Dotson's going to be the better wide receiver in two years, I wouldn't be surprised. Like give him his rookie year to get his feet wet, and then he's a better uh, wide receiver than McLaurin. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, we've seen Terry McLaurin be a really good flex, low-end wide receiver two. And for some reason, we're taking him as this really solid wide receiver two or ranking him as a really solid wide receiver two. When his situation got worse than last year, he was wide receiver 29, two out of three years, and his situation got worse. So I don't know why we're, we're thinking he's going to be a locked-in wide receiver two. I mean, uh, maybe. Maybe it got worse, right? Like, I mean, you're you're counting a whole lot of like Curtis Samuel to be actually able to who, who was their second leading uh, target getter? Yeah, no, but like, okay, but let's no idea. Like, heading into last year, right? I mean, the situation is not all that dramatically different outside of you. You uh, went from uh, you know, added Carson Wentz. I don't know what Jahan Dawson is going to be. I really He's truly probably going to get 85, 90 targets, right? And that's more than their second leading wide receiver got. You add in Curtis Samuel, right? He's going to be their the best wide receiver three that they've had in the last couple of years, right? There's going to be a, a deflux in target share just because the talent around them is better. You're not playing guys like Cam Sims and and Antonio Gandy Golden, right? And like some of these guys that just have no business starting NFL games. So sorry to all those dynasty shares uh, that were missed on AGG, but. There, there's going to be a decrease in, in, in target share, and he's not a high touchdown guy. So there's just really no reason to get super excited about him as a wide receiver, too, because he's never really been a safe wide receiver, too. He's always been a flex guy. And in my opinion, the target share is going to be worse, and there's no touchdown uh, ceiling to to bank on. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm out on, on McLaurin. I, ha- I have him lower than than rankings. I have him much lower than you. I have him lower than ADP just because there's there's no reason to take him at cost right now. You just hate good players. I Another think. one that I'm right on. Look at look at this. Look at this in the chat. Kim, I don't know if you won one yet. I think they were split on Zeke, but other than that, you just getting the floor. See, here's the thing, though. See, I, don't care. I, don't, I don't care about winning through the uh, court of public opinion. I only care about winning at the end of the year. That's fair. And, That's and fair. so, you know, like, uh, I could be wrong all day, but, you know, then when we're, you know, we're just winning people's championship. Xenon, what's up, my man? What is yeah. up? 
I know. But, uh, Training camp starts like I think the Jaguars report next weekend, right? Next, and, and, next yeah. weekend. Yeah. And so, I mean, we're here. We are here. Football season is upon us. Uh, you know, pre the first preseason game is what three weeks away? Something like that? Three and a half weeks away. Yeah, we're right there. Um, and, and so uh yeah, uh I am excited, thankfully. I am tired of the offseason fodder, the offseason <laughs> the you know, discussion. So anyways, let's um Let's, let's do one or two tight ends. You you pick which tight end you want to talk about. Let's get one one tight end in here, and not Najoku. We don't need to talk about it. That that's a, that's a Deshaun Watson. Is he playing or not? That that one's easy to, to do. Pick pick between one of the other two. Let's do. Oh, we can't do David Njoku. No. <laughs> Dan Arnold. Yes. That's the, <laughs> that's the one we should have done. We should have done Dan Arnold. Okay. We already have a bet. Uh, so. We haven't made a bet on, on this show yet. I think when we do our nuts on the table, which I think we need to workshop that that name for our hot takes just to be more inclusive to our, our lady listeners as well. But when we do that, I think you and I will get some more bets on the table. Kevin and I and Cody's going to get in on it too. We're going to have a board that's recording all the bets that we have. I think, Walido, you had tracked a couple of them. But uh, we're going to get some bets on the table to make sure, like you're saying, you care about what happens at the end of the year. That's when you want to be right. Uh, so I think we need to have one here. Um, that's the, the this one's like so easy for me though with the Dan Arnold stuff like it's so easy but um, we, we're not talking about like just so everyone knows it's it's Evan Ingram versus Dan Arnold who finishes higher right simple as that yeah all right yeah it's super easy and it's gonna yeah. be Dan Arnold um, <clears throat> so let's uh, let's talk about Patty Fry I guess let's talk about some Patty Fry right. All right. Let's do it. Um, I feel like the argument against him is going to be that, well, they added George Pickens and they're not going to throw the ball as much as, as they did last year. And, you know, all that, all, all that jazz. Would, would I be, would that be fair? Would that be a fair? Uh, Make your own or? argument. You can't do this. Well, I'm actually, you, your you, argument I, I have to start every single one of them. You're high. Oh, wait, I'm higher on than you. Um, <laughs> I'll start. I'll start. Okay. Yeah. We're going from a team that threw 664 times. With, with a 38 quarterback where he was just getting the ball out, throwing a short West Coast dink and dunk offense, right? That's obviously going to change. Whether it's Mitchell Trubisky, whether it's the rookie and Kenny Pickett, they're not throwing at that volume, right? And that's going to hurt all the pass catchers. I'm not even including adding George Pickens in there, but you, if you want to, you can. Because honestly, you can make an argument when you do the projections, Pat Fryermuth might be fifth in targets, fifth in targets. When you look at that for tight ends, they should be going nowhere near your top 12. They're going to be fifth in their team in targets. So we're, we got to drop that down to maybe low 600s, maybe high 500s. They're not going to be this team that throws at that volume, right? So 79 targets that he got last year, that's going to come down. I project him to have a, just a, about a 12% target share. So I've got him right around that 60, 65. Uh, and the problem is he doesn't get the touchdown rate that I think he got last year. He got one touchdown for every eight catches last year, which we know tight ends, they're obviously a little bit higher than – than wide receivers just due to their red zone usage. But one for every eight is like Adam Thielen with Kirk Cousins numbers. It's like crazy hard to repeat, especially with that that low volume that he's probably going to have. So he's a tight end too. And if you're talking about other tight ends that, that we want to take, I'll be taking a lot of other guys. Irv Smith is another one on this list. Uh, Cole Clement we talked about um, on a previous show. Uh, Gerald Everett was the guy we threw out during our uh, mock draft. Like there's a ton of other guys that are going to be in better offenses that have higher touchdown potentials and probably a higher target share than being fifth on their team in targets. And I'm going to be much more excited about them. Pat Fryermuth loved what he did as a rookie. I think he's going to be fine, but there's just, there's just too many questions where he's just going to be this. I go off, you know, once every four weeks and end up as a tight end 14. 
first of all, let's remember that it doesn't take a whole lot to be a top yep. 10, uh, especially, you know, a top 10 fantasy tight end. Okay. Correct. But there is definitely room for improvement here. I mean, he was 16th in targets last year. He was 20th in routes run. And this is a rookie tight end. We're not talking about somebody who's been in the league four or five years. We're talking about a rookie tight end. So, for one, it's kind of impressive what he was able to do anyways as a rookie yes. tight end because it just right. takes them so much longer to produce. But this is, like I said, 16th in targets, 20th in routes run, 25th in route participation last year. The only thing that he really led in was, was red zone targets, which he was number one in, 20 red zone targets, right? But, you know, he was still, he was still pretty solid in the efficiency metrics, 12th in yards after the catch. Uh, 19th in yards per route run. So, I mean, so there, there is some things to look at there with him. But, one, I don't even know if Chase Claypool is even actually good at football. I don't know because he was fucking terrible last year. Like, he got benched at, at multiple different times last year, Chase Claypool did, right? And then you have George Pickens, who, again, someone that I absolutely love coming in, but I have no idea what to expect from him year one. You know, so to me, it's Deontay and it's Najee Harris, right? But to say that 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 Pat Patty Fry can't see – 85 90 targets this year i think it's kind of ridiculous i i, I think that's definitely in the range of possibilities for him to see an increase in targets from from you know from this year to last i i still think it is and i you're expecting i think that that, that uh that we're going to see just this massive drop off in play volume i don't think that we are um one i don't think this defense is gonna, still going to be any good uh, I mean, that was kind of one of the problems last year. They're defending, they're, they were constantly trailing in games. They had to throw the ball. And I don't think that's really going to change all that much this year. And, and so I think they're going to have to – I mean, I'm not expecting them to be as high as they were last year. But to say that he can't get 85, 90 targets I think is, is kind of silly because uh, I definitely think that is in the range of possibilities for him. And, you know, he's going to be the, their number one red zone target uh, likely again. Uh, you know, that's not really something that we look at Deontay Johnson and being like this elite red zone guy. You know, yes, they have Chase Claypool, but, you know, who else Who, who else are the options outside of Najee Harris, right? And so it makes sense to get your 6'5", 250-pound option, you know, inside the red zone to develop stuff for him. So he's going to see his fair share of red zone targets as well. And so, you know, I, I just think that Patty Fry just kind of makes some sense. I mean, he's not somebody that I'm, like, overly excited about. Like, man, I, I have to get Patty Fry. But, you know, having him at 10, I don't think is all that egregious. Having him at 16, though, that's something. Right, where he's going to be at, yeah. Uh, just just to, to finish up, I, I think it really depends on where he comes at in the pecking order. You, you think maybe that pie is a little bit bigger and he's maybe doing a little bit better than than uh, Pickens or, or uh, Claypool. The problem is when you look at guys who get 90 targets or more at the tight end position, they're either number one uh, in the target pecking order, like a Kelsey or Andrews, or they're a number two, right? Like a Gasecki, uh, Pitts, uh, Kittle. Well, I guess Kittle's one when he's out there, right? But uh, they're, they're one or two on their team, and that's how you become the, this top eight. And I agree, like the, when you get after eight, it can get any which way, and you're probably just looking at who scored the most touchdowns. If you score seven touchdowns, like Dawson Knox, like Patty Fry, you're going to jump into the top ten. So if he gets that touchdown total again, which I don't think he gets, if he gets uh, more volume than I think with the 65-70, there's that chance. I just I, I don't see that in the volume, and I don't see him uh, getting more than uh, Chase Claypool, who's had 100 targets, 107 targets each of his first two seasons. Like I, I don't see him equaling that. But a good one to end on. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, once you start to get into a certain point of the tight end position, like you start getting a little gross, right, of, yep. of, of options and kind of uh, easily projectable of, of guys. Um, you know, I have like David Njoku, who I'm probably more excited about than Patty Fry. Um, but, you know, either way. Uh, so 
you know, I think we need to do a lot more. We need to do some throwdowns for sure. Uh, Columbus and throwdowns do. So I, you know, I can really dig in and prepare. This gets uh, you the itch. Did you, did you enjoy this? Now we're not on the same I did, side. I did. You know, I've been, I, yeah. well, I mean, I've been, you know, carrying the load of all these, of all these, of these profiles. So it's been good to get on somebody else on here to have conversations about. And really, I just, I just want to argue because that's, that's what I love to do about this anyways. And I don't like just uh, agreeing with people all the time, you know? Sure. That's what we do here. We want to make sure that everybody listening gets the full 360 of these players. Hey, why do we like them? Why do we not like them? Let you guys decide. Thank you for everybody who weighed in. We had a ton of activity in the chat. Continue to check in on the videos because we have them coming each and every week. Oh, for sure. So uh, they're each and every day, uh, they're, they're going to be coming out uh, with these profiles. We got, we're going to mix in some other stuff as well. We're going to fire up probably the mock draft Monday stuff, uh, get that, some of that going. And then we're going to get throwdowns going as well. Uh, Cause I absolutely love doing those. So I appreciate everybody checking out uh, the video. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. If you are new here, we hope to uh, you know, catch you. Uh, we'll be back again next week. We have not figured out what that topic is going to be, but we'll definitely be back again next week for another live show. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye.